Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Zach. Great to see you. You as well. How's it going? Yeah. Good. Episode 172. Mm-hmm. Are you excited for football season? Yeah, I am. I, t- I was just telling um, my son, uh, I think the Bills had an open practice or something, and uh, 35,000 people show up for a practice, which uh, – so Bills Mafia looks like they're in uh, midseason form already. Mm-hmm. What do you think about arenas being built? There's a couple of big stadiums coming, maybe even one to our area. Um, have you seen that they're making them a little bit smaller now? Like, it, I don't know if you saw this because I think you guys are at 60. The Bills stadium is going to be at 60. 63 is what Orchard Park is now or whatever that stadium is there now. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think that I think they're even it's even bigger than that. But, yeah, I, I did not see that they're going smaller. Yeah, is it supposed to be the, smaller, more closer to the action kind of thing? Yeah, I think they're trying to make them more experiential. So, like, you have, like, these mega stadiums. Uh, it seems like the only real mega stadium that can fill these days is the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, Redskins Stadium, or whatever it's called, FedEx Field. I don't even know what it's called. R- RFK Stadium, whatever. That was like ninety-two thousand. I think it's down to seventy now. I don't know because you were there for uh, for for Eddie, right? Did you see the yeah. the corners that have been chopped off? Basically, it's like these stadiums. I uh, guess they're not filling, so they're reducing the footprint, and now hmm. they're trying to make them a little bit smaller. I guess the same is to be said with arenas for like uh, basketball and hockey and other shows it is interesting that um bigger is not always better even in the uh the stadium game it's a lot of money too yeah i wonder if there's if, if that's a way to maybe it's a win-win for them save a couple uh couple bucks and i don't know that's wild i just wish more arenas could figure out how to not block off a quarter of the stadium for for certain shows right yeah. so you see like you go to the amphitheaters and obviously it's 20k back 30k back whatever the new sphere in vegas eighteen thousand, just straight back amphitheater style but then you got these stadiums and arenas and most of the time unless it's a well even well, the taylor swift one quarter of the stadium cut off most of them are not dead center so it's it's interesting how they de- uh, develop or build or architecturally do that type of thing. Yeah, I agree. Which brings us to today's guest, who you know you could say is an architect of of sorts. He's um, <laughs> he's a creative. Um, I, I knew him as a different name. Um, yes, yeah. Just just Carl. Just Carl. Carl. At that point. <laughs> yeah. um, now apparently he's changed his first name to Colorful. I don't know if it's um, <laughs> an official real name. Is if Carl is now his middle name? I don't know. Um, no, no, I just, uh, you know, I was trying to make a simple brand and wanted to, uh, you know, brand myself and create some content. And uh, I thought it'd be much easier and uh, to, to point people towards a name that was uh, easy to spell rather than Cleanthus, which uh, is, is a, it's a hot mess for anybody. So, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. C-L-E-A-N-T-H-E-S. Not yes, looking sir. at anything. How'd I do? All right. Boom. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Nailed what was it. The, Look at that. What was the name of your company before you changed it? 
Uh, yeah, so when we first met, and uh, kudos to Zach for dragging me into Hatch and giving me my first office out of the house, uh, which was really cool and, and a great little space. But um, uh, it was Creative Art and Design Studios, LLC, <laughs> which, right. which is still right. the legal name of my business. Uh, we just made a DBA back in 2016. Uh, again, same kind of reasons, like to be more, you know, uh, an, an anomaly, if you will, or to stand out uh, and uh, really just make sure that, you know, we had a name that was memorable. So, yeah. I, I didn't realize that that's how you guys at first met. We had met yeah, before that? No, I don't even remember how it. I don't remember either. I think we were just out networking. Uh, Might have been one of those unwind events back in the day at ODU. Uh, I remember that was the first place that I saw you where we first uh met one another was the good unwinds like when tom osha yeah, was doing yeah, it yeah. yeah 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 got it because man he used to throw a hell of a part <laughs> yeah. so yeah i think yeah i mean we were just all in the in the you know hampton roads entrepreneur ecosystem out there just trying to make it work and uh just bump it into each other so that was back when eric olson was in the office with us 80 20 you know back back in the day <laughs> a lot of people changing names yeah no. had a name change tim just yeah. changed his name yeah yeah yeah, it's it. Well, you know, you just want to grab things that you can own on the internet, right? Like you want to be the first Google search without any effort, right? So that's that's always the big push, uh, and and helping you know position yourself and make it easier for people to find you when you're out there making all this content. So. Yeah, I would like to think that it's uh, that it's a sign of a little bit of growth as well. Yeah, it is for sure. Uh, it helped us kind of. So, so what happened with the name change basically was I was sitting there and we were just struggling, right? Always struggling to try to make sure that we could be seen and, and find our, our space in the market. And uh, we did a project with someone also in Hatch. There was a lot of cool things going on in Hatch. Um, but uh, we did a project with some guys, uh, a, a guy and his wife, AJ, uh, um, uh, with Space Monkeys Down, right? And they hired us. Oh, to yeah, do yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had a tabletop board game they were building, and they needed some custom art for all their characters and their lore. And, uh, you know, Ross and I started working. Ross has been my creative director now for like 11 years. But back then, this was like the first project where we were super excited. And we really realized like, hey, this is what we want to be niching down into. I remember three hours into our like planning chat about all the different characters. I'm like standing up. I'm like, all right, so what if he's got this big battle axe and he's like swinging it down at the ground and like the camera angles up like this. And like, and I, and I, I paused for a moment. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, I'm having so much fun right now. This is the type of work that we need to be doing. Uh, and and from there, it was just like, all right, well, we need to rebrand. We need to figure out. And, and that kind of was like the, 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 the beginning of the, this is always what I wanted to do. And I was always trying to do things that like, hey, this is what a marketing company should look like. Or this is what huh. I, and it was all very generic, very stale, very much not me. Uh, and then that kind of just it was that uh, one of those moments in the business that really made me start thinking. That was, so that yeah. that said, do you think that this area is stale because there's so much government or uh, and, and that's just kind of like the what we're in? Or is there a bigger side, a creative side to this area that is a little bit low, more low key? I think we have a, a really interesting creative community that's uh, been bubbling up for years now, you know, with the neon district and, you know, obviously stuff that Drew's doing and a bunch of, you know, and uh, Sway's doing as well and just helping build that. And I think, you know, Charles always needs a huge shout out Rasputin on, on all his efforts in the neon and like, uh, you know, and downtown Norfolk council has been a big part of that too. So it's, it's all been, there's actually a really bustling unique creative community here. Um, and the organizations like AIGA are always trying to help with that as well. 
So I, I think the space is great. I think the problem that I was having was purely introspective and imposter syndrome and not knowing how to be myself and being afraid of being myself or being, mm. you know, like I started my business at 20, right? I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just knew that I was unemployable in my heart, like in my soul. There was no <laughs> happiness to be found at a nine to five on somebody else's clock. So I just navigated from there. Uh, and, and I realized, you know, slowly along the way, like I've been doing this for forever. I should be like a bajillionaire already or something, but I am happy and I'm stable and I have a nice life, which I think is priceless. So, um, Couple, anyway. couple, couple of things yeah. off of that. I, I think you can make the argument that because this area is basically one big suburb or several different suburbs too, Tim, you don't have that urban core. Yes, yeah. there's yeah. a little bit of urban core, but a lot of times like you see these things in urban areas, we have like little, maybe small little pockets of stuff like that. I think there's, there's aspects of that, that, that could be some of the missing uh, pieces of that. And then when you talk about agency life and, and doing work that you don't want to do <gasps> as a guy who who's done it, Tim's, Tim's done it as well. Yeah. I think sometimes, oftentimes, most of the time, you're not going to early on get the type of gig that you want. So you have to do crappy gigs. I call it the glue, right? Yep. When I was doing the Titan stuff, it was like, okay, we want to be doing software apps, but you know, big six figure, almost million dollar gigs are hard to come by, let's say. And so you need to do the five, ten thousand dollar or maybe even smaller gigs than that to to do stuff in there just to make sure that you can make payroll. And even though it's crappy work, it's or not ideal work. It's it's what you got to do in there. And, I, and I, I think that's probably what you were going through. And if I recall, we had several conversations about stuff like that over over some of our times at, at the old, uh, the OG headquarters on, on, <laughs> on Granby Street. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like it's on, it's unfortunate, I guess. I don't know what the exact vernacular is that I want to use in that. Like it's, it's not ideal, but it's, it's kind of like, okay, like if you want to keep doing this, this is what you're going to have to do for a little bit. And then sometimes some sort of serendipitous moment happens. So I totally forgot about this. You probably don't even realize this. AJ was there because of Tim, who had told him to go to Hatch at one point. And obviously oh, wow. you yeah. somehow yeah. randomly did that. And so like, talk about serendipity. That's the moment that you're trying to find. And then here we are. Tim and I want 10% of um, Epic Made or CAD because 10% <laughs> uh, each because indirectly we're both the reason why you made the name change and um, you're welcome. We'll take a bow and 10% of your business. All right. We'll talk about, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's wild. I mean, but that's kind of stuff that we're going for. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard it, to it's, articulate that to people too. Yeah. Like the random collisions. Yeah. You never yeah. know what you, yeah. It just, it, something happens and you could have, none of us could ever position that. And it's, and it's funny, you know, here we are, what is it? 20, 2023 that happened in 2015. Right. Yeah. So like these collisions, you don't even know that that happened. Like we didn't all connect those dots until just now. Right. So it's just really about building that community. And, and I wanted to say like, yeah, sometimes you got to do that work, right? And that glue, right? Like you said, to keep the business and the agency moving. So there's two parts there. I don't regret any of that time. And I don't regret any of the years I, I spent struggling and trying to find my space. Because the more experience you have and uh, doing a whole bunch of different shit, especially shit you don't like, is you start to learn, like, I hate these things. And there's no amount of money that makes it enjoyable for me. Yeah. Or you go, the threshold is you know way up here. But basically, you start to position yourself in a way that you understand what you do and don't like. And you won't, you don't really know that unless you've tried a lot of different flavors and things, right? So that's my experience on that. And then you said even, imposter syndrome before, though. Yeah, I want to touch on that, too. Yeah, yeah. you probably were un undervaluing yourself. I mean, I've seen your graphics, your, your, yep. your design work. I mean, 
it's pretty darn good. You know, yeah, it's, dude, it's very you, you, unique. You got sick talent, man. Thank you, man. This dude, uh, we would be at me, the bar. It's my team. It's my we team. We would be at the bar next door. Yep. And he, we'd be having like two, no, probably three dollar dilly dillies. He probably drinking <laughs> something better than me. <laughs> yeah, <right? no. laughs> and um, yeah. we're drinking a couple of dilly dillies. And uh, this dude like takes a picture of himself and just builds his beard out like this whole thing while we're sitting there. He's like, oh, yeah, I built this. Here you go. Look at it. What do you think? I'm like, you just did this in like 16 ounces. Like, how yeah. did you do that? Like, this, <laughs> That's pre-AI for the record. Pre-AI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. And we're in there talking about T-shirt orders for like 500 bucks where I'd make like $150 if I, you know, pull all the strings right. Like, this is stupid. And now it's like, you know we don't talk about projects for 150 bucks, right? Like we, we started really valuing our time and our energy and our effort. And I just needed some social validation for me to feel like, Hey, like I've got something extraordinary here and we should be looking for extraordinary deals. 10 X, hundred X, thousand X type of things that like, you know, because we were doing nothing at the time and we had all this crazy talent and we're trying to struggle to make, you know, 50 K hundred K with just a little bit of support staff. And it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's about with it. So is that a matter of just grinding through? Because this whole imposter syndrome, this is something that every founder I feel goes through, but nobody talks about it until they've made it through the other side, so to speak. I, I don't even think it's just founders. I think it's athletes, musicians. Oh, for in, sure. In yeah, every yeah, yeah. Career across the board. Yeah. yeah. It's cultural, man. Like we we always like hate on each other. Like there's so much like haterade in this whole this like like you get online and it's like anytime you that's actually let me let me tie this in. I know I'm doing good shit when I start to get a little haters, right? Like right. when people like show up to <laughs> give you some shit. It's like, hey you're you're actually relevant. Like someone's like saw you in their feed was like, oh my God blah 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 and it's like those people are just miserable but i think that all ties into this imposter syndrome like if you know somebody better than you at something then like you're not really good right and that's not that's not the case like and when you start to talk to people outside of your direct sphere that like hey we all know a fair amount about entrepreneurship but if you start to talk to somebody who hasn't done any entrepreneurship at all we all know a crazy amount now yeah do we do we know people that are way more in the weeds of it than us and have all the answers like yeah probably but like we still have a great wealth of information and all the things that we've experienced and are passionate about i have a major announcement to make yeah last evening i watched the barbie movie <laughs> um, nice. which i think you know it's over a billion dollars it's the 43rd highest grossing movie of all time already three weeks in. yeah and it was the first uh female uh film to break the billion dollar mark female led uh female created uh i think the, the writer director or something something of that nature got it That's i think amazing. the main lady in that i don't know her name apparently she was harley quinn in something i, I yep she's yeah. really good great um so that movie really talks about, like it's very interesting it's very unique it's good i definitely recommend it i think people should um i, I can't believe i'm actually talking about the barbie movie in, 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 in positivity <laughs> ways but it talks it talks a lot about um just females in the workforce imposter syndrome in that yeah. battling back um it's it's pretty greta gerwig is her name i guess um yep. the the director but it's it's pretty interesting to look at that movie, I honestly, like I was, I was pretty like, usually I'm pretty like, you know, fidget toy type of guy, like always doing something. I was pretty into it. I, I, I thought mm -hmm. it was very well done. Um, it was, I mean, it's about a Barbie doll. Um, yeah. Turning into real life uh, of some sort. And I thought they did a really good job of basically there. This is no spoiler, but they're basically like, Oh, like why do we hate each other? 
like we should just like be positive towards each other and so that like every morning i guess barbie's in her house and she's like saying hi to her friends like hi i hope you're well it says like something really positive to them where it's like so many people will wake up and just immediately get thrown in, into a trash can on their phone through social media and just be like negativity and it's it's very interesting how like we're led down this very negative path maybe not led, yeah. but we allow ourselves into this very negative path and yeah. here's homegirl uh you know barbie just like yo let's be positive and it's like it was it was very it was very cool to see a, a women empowerment movie like that um love it yeah dude so, that's amazing yeah. it's, it's a cultural issue that we we have across the board it, it, it manifests in so many ways but i think it really does come from this space uh you know that like we're all doing things for the most part, a lot of people are working jobs they hate and spending a lot of time doing things they just have to do to be in survival mode. And a lot of people put themselves there buying a whole bunch of shit they don't need to try to impress people they don't like very much, uh, <laughs> yep. which is which is a weird <laughs> conundrum. Um, you know, and that's like the opposite of how I've lived my life. I've been bootstrapped. I drove a four hundred dollar car until twenty twenty two, like oh, it was twenty twenty one, but four hundred dollars. It was my grandmother's car that she get that my dad got when she died, and then I took it. When he died, and like actually, he gave. Are you talking about that bicycle you used to ride in? No, no, no. It was a four hundred dollar Hyundai Accent two thousand four. I started the bill of sale. My grandmother bought it off the lot in New York for nine thousand dollars, brand new. No, had rolling windows. Like I used to get looks from people. Half it was Bondo, but it's like I didn't give a shit. It got (laughs) thirty five miles a gallon, and it got me to the office and back, and everywhere I needed to go. So like, why would I spend any energy, any money, any of my resources on a thing that wasn't going to grow what I wanted to do in life? And that's been my mindset for everything, for forever. Yeah, but your car doesn't have zip-up windows, so clearly you're <laughs> not as level. cool as me. You know, here I am. Bu- I'm bullying you. How dare me? No, it's all right. I still love. I even learned my own lesson. <laughs> that's awesome. You have zip-up windows in your car. Are you bullshit? Or is that the MIG, Sorry, can yeah. I cuss on this now that I'm, you know, twenty cuss words in? Uh, you know, we're, we're we're trying to get a record here, so clearly, um, yeah, we're we're there. Um, right. Well, you know, I don't know if you know this. Yeah. But you are apparently allowed to um, say anything but the F word in um, on modern TV these days. Everything else. Oh, is, for real? Yeah. Okay. So when Pat McAfee signed his ESPN deal for his 12 to 3, because he's doing the new um, the new noon time frame for his sports show, um, yeah. he's basically allowed to say everything but the F word. And he's like, I won't say it as often. So I guess they're... I don't know. I mean, I feel like at this point in the world, it's like, that's dumb. is there I mean, anything worse just... than saying a cuss word? Like, there's far worse things than saying a cuss word. If, if that's not what I said, that's what I meant. Oh, for so. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and what's a cuss word anyways? Like, it's all cultural garbage. Like, it's just more oppressive types of things. Like, oh, if you're intelligent and refined, you don't say these words. And it's like, nah, <laughs> I'm colorful. Like, <laughs> and uh, here, that was how the brand was born, more or less. Um, <laughs> anyways. So, so I wear. Go ahead, Zach. I wear a black T-shirt every day. Tim wears a black T-shirt on um, on the show on Thursdays. You always wear this hat. I feel like yep. ever since I've known you, is yep. that an intentional thing at this point? Is it part of the colorful brand? Is it like? Is there anything to that? I, I always like. I when I'm meeting someone for the first time, I'm trying to find something to connect with them. Then on. Oftentimes, I ask the Netflix question, what do you watch on Netflix? But I mean, you, if I met you for the first time today, I'd say, oh, cool, I like your hat. Like, what's the deal with it? You know, something like that. And so, like, is is there something unique about that? Or, or are you just comfortable in it? Like, what's the story with the hat? And what do they call I, that thing? It's not a toboggan. It's a... Um, 
That's like a golf hat. What do they call those things? Dude, I have no idea uh, what it's called. Um, uh-huh. Yes, I love this hat. It's probably one of my top five treasured things in the in the world. Wow. Uh, my dad gave this to me when I was 16, and um, I just thought it was cool and unique and like a totally different thing that nobody wears hats like this, right? And I've been wearing it. Uh, it's my like nice hat, right? Like if I'm trying to look nice, I throw my nice hat. I got. Well, we, we appreciate I got, you dressing up for the show, man. I got four nice shirts. They all look the same. They're like you know, like this kind of like <laughs> button up blouse, military esque looking style shirt. Uh, I've got four of those. They all pretty much look the same. And this is like my nice hat and my nice shirt, right? I always wear toe shoes religiously. I have 16 pairs of them. I'm very much a like, hey, I find things that work for me that um, aren't boring to me, that uh, aren't what everyone else is doing, because I've always been a counterculturist just in my core. Like, it just always feels right to be a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just lean into those things. I, I basically like have a different pair of shorts I wear whenever. I, you know, I have like, like three colors, and they're all like blue, gray, and tan like, and then i have a black shirt and this hat and toe shoes that's what you're gonna see me wearing pretty much anywhere when i leave the house but that's just saves some to me that just saves time i mean like i always can tell whenever you can tell how busy my week has been just based on like the uh, amount of growth that i have on my face so just in yep. the sense of uh there's if i don't have to worry about shaving i don't have to worry about what i'm going to be wearing and uh, to me it just I can focus on the things that I need to focus on and and life goes on. You see this with a lot of CEOs, actually. If you go look at Steve Jobs or like, you know, um, who who is the... uh, Zucks. Zucks. I mean, yeah, everybody. Bezos. They all wear the same shit every time because they don't care. It's an irrelevant consequence of life that you have to put on a costume every day. It has nothing to do with like who you are, what you're about. So you find a look that you're comfortable with and then you get that out of the way. It's like, it doesn't make you any more money. So I think they said more successful. Yeah. One of them even said something about like, don't even waste brain cells on that. I don't know. Right. Yeah. we got so much other things we want to be doing with our life. Like what? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Okay. So I want uh, uh, a sensitive, maybe topic. I don't know how to bring this up, but um, <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'm just like you, you said, you're that's a top five um, piece of your life. I know your yeah. dad, your dad passed at some point some time mm-hmm. ago. I know that was extremely rough for you. Um, yeah. Obviously, he he had some artwork. Was it his artwork that was big or was it your artwork? Like, I can't remember the aspect of it. He had Blue Pete's and Pongo. Yeah. Like, Losing him and going through all that and, and kind of still trying to memorialize him, if that's the right word, yeah, just like yeah, remember yeah. him, like, mm-hmm. and through a lot of the stuff that you're doing, like, it, was that an e- like a hard thing to do? Do you still think about, like, how, just just walk me through that whole, walk us through that whole kind of terrible time of your life. Yeah, a great, great, um, great question, man. And no, it's, I mean, sensitive's relative. I may or may not start crying, but that's okay, right? Like, it's, um, so my dad was like my best friend my whole life. And um, he died in 2016 of bladder cancer. And I was fortunate enough to be able to take care of him for the last three months of his life. And uh, that whole journey was very grounding and very spiritual and very um, just human, right? Like this is something that we all go through. We all have to deal with death and loss. And um, that was the first time that someone so close to me, literally my first friend, 
And uh, so when he died on his deathbed, he had all this artwork. When you see some of the shit on the ceiling and the back there, like I have 700 pieces of his work. And it was in Blue Pete's, who, uh, which he booted back up with my brothers. I uh, had a bunch of work in there. But I have 700 pieces, over 32 in my house on the walls, and then a bunch more that I've just collected and aggregated. Uh, so I've started minting them all to the blockchain and like creating these, this like uh, first of its kind NFT art memoir uh, to immortalize my father's work and also create uh, a potential legacy of royalties uh, of a wall and a wallet that I can will to my heirs and my son and you know my father's heirs uh, other grandchildren and stuff like it's just really cool really powerful but like so this whole thing kind of spun up in my head because on his deathbed you know I told him hey look I, I was going to do something amazing with his art one day and he I didn't know what that was then. He was just really upset. Like his art never got its due. Right. And that's what inspired hmm. me to be creative. Like it's the core of who I am. Like so many, uh, my dad was like a gregarious, like city slicker, New Yorker from, you know, from New York. And just like used to have hustles and do all kinds of small businesses and ran restaurants and was an artist. And like, so a lot of the foundational things that I take pride in myself were my dad. And when he died, it just, was just, just crushed me. But through this like process of memorializing him, it's been very healing and very calibrating and always like in the front of my mind, like I'm going to die one day. Like, how do I want my son to feel? How do I want my friends to feel? What do I want them to think about me when I'm gone? And um, all that's very important because like we're all going to die. Like we're all here temporarily. Like you shouldn't be wasting your time on any bullshit. Like you should be spending your whole life trying to make sure that like it's a life worth living. And it's a life worth someone who cares about you talking about when you're gone. So there's a whole bunch of shit in there, but <laughs> I figured yeah. that, was, that was a good monologue. <laughs> Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you have this idea before the, uh, the whole blockchain slash NFT stuff even started? No, no. Well, I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was going to collect. I just hoarded all of his artwork. I have a stack of sketchbooks, like, I don't know, thousands of pages of just different sketch, Just like anything that he put his pen on. I took a picture of it. Or I stayed. A lot of it was like really destroyed in my mom's shed. There was like a hole in the roof and like leaked through some shit. Been there for 35 years or whatever. So a lot of those I actually take and uh, I do new art with on my live stream on Wednesday nights where I'll take like an old sketch of his and then I'll bring in like five of his other paintings and smash them all up in Photoshop and draw on top of it for three hours record that talk about dad the whole time and mint that to the blockchain as an nft and then if you buy the nft you get a one-on-one print uh which is a super fun thing but i didn't have this idea beforehand because i didn't know anything about web3 in 2016 when he died uh it was still very much in its infancy uh and i don't i'm not sure if the first nft was even made yet but i think it was 2017 um but no, it hit me one year talking with Chris Mack, who, who I also met in Hatch, uh, who became my business partner uh, in this side shoot of uh, this NFT business I started called Cleanthus Studios, where I sell all these NFTs. So uh, that's really crazy. Damn, Zach, way to bring a bunch of people together. <laughs> um, Legacy. Long legs. I, I actually thought your background was a background graphic and then now i'm realizing that it's not it's real yeah it's that's, my, a, that's, that's my home office i uh yeah. i moved back uh from norfolk uh you know right before covid and just decked this spot out they put all this stuff on the ceiling like it was crazy like <laughs> there's the whole ceiling's covered because i didn't have any more walls in the house so when you changed from cad to epic made mm-hmm. was there a large or was there um any turn down of teammates was there any uh, tur- turnover of teammates how did you how did that all go down because i would imagine 
that type of work that you're doing now and the stuff that you're doing before are two different stylistic type of people. How did, how did that aspect go? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I actually ended up letting go of my current art director at the time. Uh, just, um, you know, they were a much more um, design focused and, and traditional graphic design and, and, you know, the minimalism and simplicity. And I knew the direction we were going was the opposite of that, like deep, rich graphics, tons of illustration, lots of complexity and textures and shading and lighting and all, even on our graphic design stat, you know, static assets, we definitely wanted to have that illustrative feel in it. So I did end up um, letting, letting someone go uh, on the top of the art team. Uh, that just wasn't working for a whole lot of other reasons as well. Uh, and promoted my, um, my best illustrator at the time who I just hired out of the uh, uh, art Institute in Virginia beach um, to art director. And, you know, we kind of just went from there and, and he actually had a background in media arts and animation, uh, very, very um, knowledgeable in illustration, animation, and storytelling. So that kind of coupled with all the passion and experience I already had in, you know, graphic design and visual hierarchy and all the advertising experience and marketing experience I had, like we were able to make something very unique that I hadn't really seen in the marketplace. Uh, so, and thus so Epic made which- board. What's your, what's your bread and butter stuff now that you produce? I mean, you got some really cool clients. You got uh, Sci-Fi, Nickelodeon, TNT. What, what are you doing for them? How did you get uh, brands like that? And, yeah, what, yeah, so I mean, so, yeah, I can answer that pretty quickly, I think. Uh, so kind of tying back into what Zach was talking about earlier, like, you know, you have to do some things to make the bills go. And we never stopped those things uh, for, for at least a year or two after rebranding. Um, but the, it's important to build the right magnet or honeypot or whatever you want to call it. Like, so the work that we wanted to showcase, we put it on our website. And if we didn't have the type of work that we wanted to get, we made some work for ourselves and put it on our website, put it on our social media, put it everywhere else. So, you know, and I've continued to do that over the years, just as we get to another space where we want to do more cool stuff in a different lane and we haven't found a client for that, we make it in that direction. Uh, we'll make a custom piece. Like we just launched our own full comic where we wrote the whole story, outlined a hundred episodes, didn't did 10 of them on, on um, Webtoons, got like 3000 followers. It's called Supernal. It's also on our website. Um, so because we want to work on more stories for other people, we want to be branded as storytellers. Uh, so, so I, I feel like I, I might've missed the question a bit though. Did, I, did that answer the question? Yeah. But just in terms of, uh, yeah. What, what do you do? What did you do to get the, the big, big, the big clients names. that you have? Yeah. Uh, we did the cardinal sin of finding people with RFPs and we pitched our face off to like clients that we knew, uh, there was an agency out West and they put out a bunch of RFPs. And they had one for sci-fi. And we're like, dude, we just, we sat down at, this was 2020, uh, like January before we closed the office in like, I think early March or late February. Um, And we were sitting there, we're like, look guys, like we can keep this rat race where we're going to struggle to get anybody, any big names because we don't have any big names. It's like the thing, like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like you get more big names once you have big names, but you can't get any big names. So you got some big names. It's so they put out some RFPs. We pitched 20 times to this company with pitch videos and pitch decks. And like, I mean, we're talking like 30, 40 hours of work. I mean, literally one time we sat down and I, we recorded a video of my whole team pitching this whole idea and like being stupid and funny. And I had like a, like a, like a, a cheeky advertisement feel to it just to send to this, this company. And they finally picked us. They, they actually, they kept sending us things like, Hey, we see you doing, you know, we, we, you didn't win unfortunately, but like you got runner up. So we got that like a couple times. <laughs> and then we got rejected for this sci-fi pride ad. Um, 
to, uh, that we they're like, oh, well, you know, again, runner up. So great. Please keep pitching. And then like four days later, I get an email from the creative director over there just saying like, hey, um, we really have been trying to use you guys. And we just have really established relationships with some other agencies. But like you guys have been on our radar. Great job pitching and standing out and doing extra. Uh, so sci-fi just hit us up and they want another video do you want it and i was like hell yeah we want it and like i was so excited like i went and like jumped in i just went and like told my wife i'm like crying and like it was awesome because it's like we tried so hard to get something that felt like was like an accomplishment and um that like everybody would be stoked on and we got it and then we i spent like it was like a really small budget, right? Like three grand. I spent like four and a half grand making it because <laughs> I was like, we're going to crush this. Like this is going to be the best piece of advertising for our business that we ever had. We entered it in the Addies that year, got best in show, uh, gold Addy. Like we didn't do anything in regionals, but like it was still like, that was like a moment where like we got this sci-fi saw our work, loved it. That was so validating. Like so, the whole experience was just like, all right, we're on a different level now. So that was the first big one. And, yeah. So, I never understood the pitch aspect until I watched this show on AMC like a decade, 15 years ago called The Pitch. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched it. I think it's a season long and it's primarily for ad agencies who have to go in and pitch a concept to a organization that they want to work with. I guess it's similar to what you're doing. Sure. When you when you're doing that, you're doing a lot of free work. How do you how, how, how do you handle that? Is that why RFPs are like that dirty word that you're talking about? Or like, yes. like what? Because like, I was shocked. Like these people are like almost doing the entire ad for free. And then they're not getting, you know, they're getting, you know, first runner up, which sorry, Carl is the first loser in these cases. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that is like absolute nonsense. Like I would never do that much free work for someone yet. That is a lot of the game for, I guess your world. Like, how, how do you sit there and be like, yo, like this this could make sense at some point? Because uh, that's a really, especially because you were in a position of you were in a low, it sounds like at that point. Oh, yeah. Like, how, what are you going to do? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what? walk us through that just ridiculous scenario <laughs> that is called the RFP pitch. Yeah, it's uh... – it's it's terrible in in some regards, right? But it's also like in some regards, like hey, if you had better opportunities, you'd be going for them, right? So like you can't beggars can't be choosers, right? And they're preying on that, which is why the budgets are low too, right? Like and and preying is the wrong word because like the people that don't need this aren't going for it, right? It's people that are trying to get their names out there. So like you always have to balance the risk and reward. Like I, we're we're doing another collaborative pitch with another agency right now. Uh, where we're going to storyboard and do a lot of the, the concepting up front. Uh, you know, we're not going to do the bulk of the work. I'd say it's like maybe 10%. Um, but I, I basically, you know, if you don't have a relationship with somebody and they don't know what you can do, you have to prove yourself, right? And so if you don't, if you already have like, hey, here's my portfolio, here's the 35 things we've done for brands way bigger and better than yours. Like we got you, like that's a whole lot of leverage, right? Business is all about leverage and building leverage. So if you're in a space where you have no leverage, you've got to build some. So you've got to put the proof in the in the pudding before that you show up because they, no one's going to say no one's spending any money or no that knows they have something you want is just going to give it to you on, on your word. Like, oh, you seem like a nice guy. We'll trust you. Here's some money. Like it just doesn't happen that way. Right. So you have to build yourself into a position where you have leverage to be able to do things. And at that space, all we had was like, hey, we got great ideas and here's the proof. But the thing is, man, there, man, there's so much that you said in all of that. There's just this, the last 10 minutes, just in the sense of you're betting on yourself. 
the, yep. the whole adage of you can't beat somebody that doesn't quit. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, you just continue to grind after it by you doing some of that work uh, for free, so to speak. I mean, you're getting extra reps in and you're, and you're sharpening your ax and you're improving your craft. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just like, there's so many things that you did within that that have led to continuing to, to get closer to that finish line, so to speak. So man, that's just super, super cool stuff. And so many people give up, man. I mean, so many people give up and so many people are afraid to, to share, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, their vulnerabilities of what you had to go through in order to get that achievement, man. So do that. That's, that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I mean, at that point I've been in business for 14 years, right? Like it's not like I'm some fresh green entrepreneur. Like most people fail long before no reasonable human being would still be here doing what I'm doing. No reason. I'm an, well, you're colorful Carl. We should yeah, expect I, nothing less. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> thanks, thanks. But it's like most, the risk tolerance I had to have to get to this place is stupid. Like, like it's just, it's <laughs> there's no other way to look at it, but I don't have another option, right? When I started right. this, it wasn't because, oh, I want to run a business. I think it'll be cool. It was like, I will be miserable doing anything else. Like, and I'm choosing happiness no matter how much it sucks sometimes. Why is anyone's voice, mine included, it's a lot of like, oh, yeah, that's going to be the greatest thing ever. Like, as a creative, like, why, why do we, why do we talk like that? Like, why, like, we don't, but like, that's the way that we reference this thing. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think that fair. it's just to signify that it's not your voice, and that's the only way. That's the easiest way to go. Yeah, I, I, I expect. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. was never delusional, but I didn't even care. I didn't even think about it. I never had a business plan. Like I went to, I, I made a plan in like 2014 or eh, 20, 2016, Actually, I was in. I joined this mass. It was twenty sixteen. It was uh, the Scaling for Growth Streetwise MBA uh, put on by the small business and supplier diversity. And I went through this whole program for like six months. It was really good. I had a drink and like, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of it, I, I sat down the next week to try to like really start implementing my pan- plan. And after six months of working on it, going through all their courses and all I, and I just, I threw it out. I deleted it. I was like, this is, this is, this is absolutely asinine and isn't the thing, but I knew why at that point. So then I started making little micro goals. I got a little bit into like the, like just short term, like, what am I doing this year? What do I hope about next year? And three years from now is pretty much a, just a wild ass guess because I don't know what the, like, I can't predict COVID or I can't predict, uh, you know, all these different things. So like for me, the smaller, shorter term goals were good. And like I, I, the first one that I really went for was like, we need need three name brands in our portfolio this year. And we just went for it. Like nothing else mattered. Like we're going to get three name brands this year come hell or high water and we did it and uh and, and then so we just set these little achievable things and i stopped getting lost about like the tw- i don't ever want to sell this company i don't ever like i got like stupid goals that like you know are, don't really matter like this is just a lifestyle for me so that's awesome dude i, I want to hear what's your take man so there's two different camps uh camps about ai and, mm-hmm. and especially in your world so yeah. some people they don't like it because it loses the authenticity of something that is that is handcrafted, half made. The other camp is, <laughs> hey, man, you know, I'm now 30 percent, 40 percent more productive. So now I can do 30 percent, 40 percent more projects than I used to be able to do. What, what, what camp are you in? Uh, both. Um, 
And I think, you know, AI is a tool, right? Uh, there's a lot of things that go into. So I'm on the advocacy committee of the National Board of the Graphic Artists Guild. And this has been the existential meltdown of, uh, of our profession right now, AI. Uh, and, and from both camps, right? Like people that are tech, tech minded and business minded, obviously sort of lean into it quickly, like, oh, my God. Right. And the people that are artists and creative minded are like, oh, my God, they're stealing our artwork, which in some cases, there's a there's a great case to be made that a lot of people's artwork and intellectual property was robbed uh, to put into these systems to produce the content that we're all enjoying. Um, so but that's that's being fought out in court and not my battle to have. Um, but what I will say is, yes, it expedites productivity. It expedites uh, creativity. Uh, we we use it uh, myself. I use it personally for iteration and ideation, and and it virtually eradicates creative block, uh, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, you know, I use it like stock images sometimes. Uh, I'm leaning more into using. Uh, you know, I've tried a lot of them out, but I think the ethical standards that Adobe has put behind their AI system, Firefly, is, uh, you know, the the standard in which people should be applying. You know, they, they've done a lot of things. I won't get into all the weeds of that, but you're welcome to ask me questions yeah. and follow-ups. But, yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, hey, it makes it more productive, uh, you know. Look, my grandfather was an entrepreneur and he, you know, probably did in two months time what I do in one week with the tools and the productivity we have. But he made millions of dollars in the 80s and I'm still working on that. So productivity is relevant to your competitors and what tools they're using. So, hey, you just got to stay up to speed in the rat race. Right. So if everyone's right. using AI and you're not, you're losing the race or you're putting in way more effort or whatever the thing is like this tool is here. We have to use it just like we use the Internet and Web 2 and like people are going to use Web 3 and all this. Things. I think you can make and the with argument. That, no, just a, one thing you you hit on a key point, and what it, it is to avoid that writer's block or artistical block. It's not the final product when you are Never. using AI. I mean, you it might get you seventy percent, eighty percent of the way there, and then you can continue to tweak things to make it your own. But it's never the final product, uh, yeah. at least in my, in my experience. So true. Yeah. So we that's actually one of the internal policies we have at the company. Like use use these tools all you want to help you move the needle along, but no 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 pixels go to the client that were generated by an art generator. Like that that's not okay. Uh, also, it's it's important to note that like the these tools. Um, oh man, I just lost my train of thought. What did you just say? Sorry, because uh, it, it, it was about. Uh, avoid a, a tool to avoid writer's block you know yeah. it gives you you start with this 70 percent solution yeah oh the the handmade thing is still going to have a huge like you asked that earlier yeah. and that, so yeah. the handmade aspect of this it's just like now like if i send you an email that's cool you want to get my attention if you write me a hand lettered letter and you know draw something by hand on it so that that's going to get way more attention it's going to be way more standouting or stand out more or whatever i don't stand know so I'm, a little, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little sick so my brain's still kind of like Bleh. Uh, but yeah, so I think that, you know, it's the value of handmade things is going to go up because it's now more nuanced. It's now more, uh, it's less of the market share. I think there's a, there's going to be a paradigm shift in a lot of spaces. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. The, the AI is never going to be able to replicate in, you know, a personal, a person's innovation and journey. And I think on the art side and the brand side, people buy that. People buy a colorful Carl piece because I put my hands on it right. and I spent my time making it, not because I typed in a sentence on a thing and shot out of a, some generative art. Like that's not that's not a human, a deeply human created thing, right? People will still value that. Yeah. Do Do you watch Black Mirror? 
Uh, I have seen a couple episodes of have Black Have you seen Mirror. the Joan is Awful one yet? Have either no, of you that, seen it? Is that no. new? Yeah. Season six, episode one. I recommend both of you and everyone listening and everyone in the world watching this show. What platform? It's on Netflix. You never watched any Black Mirrors, Tim? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's, You've watched. It's, it's They're terrifying. pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, Joan is Awful might be the most terrifying episode of anything. And it... I believe it absolutely could happen probably today. And um, Joan is off or awful? Awful. Okay. It's got the lady from Schitt's Creek okay. in it. Yeah. Um, one of the main stars in that. And um, the daughter or the mother? I don't remember. The daughter. Mm. The daughter. You. Um, yes, her. And um, <laughs> I can't think of her name. Um, but it is excuse me i I can't i actually can't give the premise of it as a thing but it's just it's just something that you will watch and be like oh oh and then you find out why and how and they're like oh oh okay like this is this is absolutely (laughs) terrifying and um I just want everyone to watch it and just be very careful is, is all I'm saying. But I think it's in the world that we're talking about right now, the sphere of, of, of stuff that we're talking about Technology. right now. And yeah. And it's very, um, I watched it and I was just like, whoa, that is terrifying. Yeah. Black Mirror, whole, uh, the premise entirely is like the dystopian future of our tech, the possible dystopian futures of our technology and our culture and the way it all goes. And it's, uh, it's a fascinating series, all of that. I didn't realize they were on season six, but why stop making them when you can continue to just plague people's minds with how terrible some of this stuff can be? <laughs> it's pretty amazing, though. It really is. I, I wanted, I'll definitely check that out, Zach. Thank you. I apologize. Yeah. Do my mute not work? I didn't mean to blow my nose in the middle of that. Uh, I tried to I, mute it. But... No, I thought... I didn't know you blew your nose. Okay, so. good. Perfect. It worked. <laughs> um, is Sorry, it like the said... chicken or the egg, though? I mean... Have we ever figured this out? I mean, you talked about it earlier. One of you did. Yeah, well, I mean, it basically boils down to uh, evolution, right? Like, I think if you think about it from a biological perspective, I feel like we'd have to answer the question, did animals start having internal uh, in utero or external in utero or external uh, eggs first, right? Like, <laughs> that's the only answer is that I is i mean is that the 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 most like it's is that like a top five question of all time like I, what is the answer be. we should ask a biologist that because it, it really uh it's a great question and a how chicken walk a chicken walked across my road today um like a literal chicken i think a neighbor maybe has a chicken in their backyard and it got loose uh-huh. it's kind of like a dog <laughs> <laughs> i had five chickens for uh i'm not surprised a while that's not, surpri- um, that's not surprising yeah, I grow a, a bunch of food in my backyard and got a green, got an acre and a quarter over here in the branch, and uh, grow I grow everything. I got I made a smoothie the other day from my backyard that had a banana, it had strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, mulberries, and passion fruit, uh, all from my backyard. Okay, but the disappointing part is, how did you get the ice? That's a great question. Uh, from my refrigerator that i bought at home depot <laughs> it's about the balance zach the balance yeah i remember uh, yeah because i remember watching uh, some some colorful carl episodes and uh, you're in your backyard tending to the uh the crops yep yep i haven't made a lot of that content this year i've been really focusing on the creative side of things and just um trying to make sure that all my efforts really synergize but it's funny like 
every couple of weeks, somebody will send me a message like, man, I started growing this year because of your videos. I'm like, that's amazing. Like we should all grow some of our own food. I think it's really important, uh, even for my creative side, that like we're in touch with nature. Like nature is so inspiring and like understanding the world in which we come from that like we're not this concrete jungle that all, some of us live in. Like we're part of this earth, like everything else. And I think a lot of our systems are going to start to break down uh, in the years we go. If we keep going in these directions, like when we talk about a lot of environmental stuff and all that sort of stuff, like it's largely due to the fact that nobody notices when animals die and then things change because they spend their whole time inside of their house in air conditioning, watching a screen. They have no idea what going on in the actual world we live in yeah i mean so speaking of chicken and egg are you, is there another species out there that admires beauty other than humans that's a great question um well we can circle I mean, that back into ai um and, and here's how <laughs> i, I mean, saw... when birds are uh are birds sit on a, on a, a wire because they're tired or are they just are they admiring the beauty that uh is, that they're surrounded by i don't know I mean, birds. Are some of the most How are they never creatures. tired? Like, yeah. I'm like, man, these clowns are always rolling through. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I'm mad they fly for my, like mile. I think they they can sleep and fly. If I'm not uh, some birds, if I'm not uh, not wrong, which is insane. Do water animals? What are those called? Fish or like stuff like that? Do they yeah, sleep? I, well, sharks. Sharks are swimming when they're. Do uh, they sleep? Sleeping. Yeah. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm interested in your 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 maybe we've even talked about this way back when, but there's a thing called like the broke starving artist mindset. I recall yeah. maybe maybe a decade ago I spoke at a conference put on I believe by the Tidewater Art Symposium or something similar to that. It was in um, it was in P Town. It was a great event, but. Um, you know, a lot of people were like, I'm creative. I'm an artist. I'm going to create what I want to create. And I don't give an F if people don't want to buy it. But yeah. then they're all broke and they're trying to learn the business aspect of how to make this thing so that people will buy it. How does a creative make money or find the, the path to make money when there's this aspect of, well, I want to do what I want to do. Mm. And I don't know if this is what someone is willing to buy for me type of thing. Yeah. So the, the starving artist thing is another big, big thing that is a part of my uh, life journey to help dismantle. Um, you, starving artists are just people that like refuse to learn the business side of things, right? Like, you know, ev there's a tribe for everybody, right? There's 8 billion of us. We have the internet. We're more connected than we've ever been in the history of humanity. So it really is all about building a personal brand and and understanding how that works and how to get people excited about you, the creative, and put it, your message out there about why you do this. People buy stories, right? They get engaged with what you're making. Like, yeah, they'll see something and a great piece of art can tell a story all by itself. But if you, the artist, are also behind it telling a story and making this all into an experience that someone wants to buy, that's when your art starts to have value. But if you're just creating it just to create, that's fine. I love, I, I love that. I think great happiness comes... <clears throat> 
what inspired people make things, right? And whatever that looks like for you, that's your version of creativity. Uh, but if you want it to have monetary value and people aren't just going to buy it because you made it unless it's exceptional. And like that level of talent is like the NBA, like not, not everybody has that level of talent or that keen insight or that unique thing. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't make money with your art. You just have to spend some time investing and in learning how to build a personal brand and to tell a story about your art. And if you do those things right and you get yourself out there in front of the right crowds and you treat the business side of it as serious as you do your art side, then you'll make money. But you can't expect to make money with in, in an economic system uh, without paying some homage and respect to the machines and systems and processes and that drive that right. Um, so you just you gotta you gotta take it serious on the business side as well as the art side, or just acknowledge that it's a hobby and it's fun and it's probably never gonna get picked up, and that's okay. Yeah, you definitely find out real quick how 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 much passion someone has before yeah. uh, because they're so quick to to throw in the towel because they're not going to get that that instant flare of success or or even validation uh is a word you use a couple of times it um yeah what do you what do you look at to validate yourself now or do you not even care you just is, is happiness your validation uh so happiness is a huge validation uh for sure i'll say my first like i i want to give a shout out to drew and varsky of grow actually um you know i've been on this hustle and struggling and trying to make it work and like i hadn't got that sci-fi deal yet so i hadn't done any like world-class work uh but we had a bunch of our art up in our office and drew came by and gave me a little chunk of his time as he has over the years which i'm greatly uh, appreciative of and uh he looked at what a piece i did actually this this piece right here uh that was on my wall um, this one in the middle. And um, he said to me, you, he said, he stopped and looked at it and like, Carl, did, did you do that? And I, was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I did that. And he goes, you got the magic. And I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> and like at the time, you know, Drew had been working with Google. They, they had like, they're the, one, you know, the most successful agency in this area by a long shot uh, and done some really amazing things. And here this was the CEO of this company telling me I have some magic. And that validation moment, like, was so strange. He probably doesn't even remember saying that. It was like a little tiny thing, but it was like, look, if this guy sees some value in the things that we create, yeah, like I should, I should feel like we can pitch in front of anybody, like because this guy does work with the biggest brands on the planet. So there's always those moments where things happen that validate you, right? Like when I got that first sci-fi gig, uh, that was like really validating. Like, oh my God, here's a company paying money to build a to build something for the sci-fi network, and they think based on our portfolio and our ideas that we got what it's what it takes and our pitch so let's not discount the pitch like we talked about that was a, a good chunk of work but it wasn't the full product like it was still like we promise we can get there and here's all the things that convince you that we can do that um and then you know, you know getting our first six-figure deal was hugely validating uh that like was like oh my god okay so people are willing to spend what i still considered to be an egregious amount of money on one project just for our art which is pretty exciting um, and yeah, so I think that th there's always little things where it's like your imposter syndrome says, well, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this, but I haven't done that. Uh, and, you know, chasing that validation can be can, can help you grow, but you just got to make sure it's aligned with the interest of what you're trying to do. Uh, you're not chasing something that's just uh, uh, like a status symbol or some something to try to impress somebody else because it, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like it's really like, are you intentionally put, taking this somewhere that's going to fulfill your happiness and, and grow this company in a way that everyone who's with you is also enjoyed and excited about. So. Well, I, I appreciate you. I mean, I, it was, I don't know, six months, 
six months, uh, something, uh, you know, you just reached out out of the blue and you're like, Hey man, I just want to connect. And I, and I, yeah, what can I do to help give back? So, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, having people step up, want to give back just for the sake of giving back to help someone else out, man, that, that, that's super kind of you. And, uh, man, I mean, just, there's not enough, there's not enough nice people out there in the world, man. So uh, I appreciate your niceness. Thanks, man. I, I love people. Uh, so many people helped me along the way, as we've talked about a bunch through here. And, uh, you know, my, my biggest commitment whenever someone selflessly helped me was that, like, I promised to pay it forward. So, you know, uh, and, and I really mean that. So if you're an artist or a starting entrepreneur or any type of you know creative or you've just heard anything I've said on this show and you would like to ask more questions, learn more, you know, I'm happy to chat with anybody at any time. Like, you know, just hit me up. I'll send you my scheduling link and we can kick it. <laughs> so, Had you guys not met before six months ago? No, it, no, it was just it had been a long time with COVID and everything else. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was... I've been, I think you reached out on LinkedIn or something. Yeah, oh, just DM'd him. And I just know you guys are out here doing doing some hard work for the community as well. And I just would like to, I'm just here help, helping you guys and support, you know? like So it, my one episode is just one in the many, but you guys are doing great shit. You should be very proud of yourselves. And I'm happy our community has people like you guys helping out. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things, you know, like uh, Andrew last week, you know, sent something. He was looking at numbers and, you know, here we are as first seven months of the year, you know, and we grind every, uh, every month, man. And we don't really necessarily particularly pay attention to numbers, or whatever we do this because we enjoy doing it. But when we exceeded, uh, you know, our, our view count in the first seven months, uh, of, of compared to all of last year, I mean, that's just one of those things, you know, you just, it just kind of happens and, and you gotta, I feel like, yeah, we got to celebrate those things. And, uh, th that pathway to success is never a straight line. And you just all of a sudden, you look up and you're like, wow, cool things happen, man. That's pretty dope. And, and if you're doing it for the right reasons, which I know you guys are like those, the one, the, the three views you got on that one episode, like those might be three very important views that change people's lives. So like, right. who, 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 I would rather have three views that like did made an impact than like 10 million views of people who just didn't care. Like it was just some vanity metrics. So. You'll worry about the people that open and click, not the people who don't, that don't care. Right. Well, I am very excited that we had our first guest with the beret on. Um, <laughs> that was um, very meaningful um, to me. Um, I've been wanting to wear a hat a couple episodes, and I thought about doing it today. I was like, I'm going to wear a hat because I know oh, because you knew that hat. Carl was going to wear his, uh, I knew he was going to wear a hat. Like, hat. I wear a hat like 24-7 these days. Like It's because I like I don't do the hair like Tim slicked back with uh, an entire can of uh, aerosol or whatever they call that, you know, to get it, to get <laughs> I it back. I do no hair. <laughs> um, you know, Carl with, um, he's got a, a, a bald head um, uh, thing glued on there. He actually has a full head of hair, people. You just don't realize it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, maybe I should wear a pony, a ponytail. I don't know. We got we to gotta figure this out. Maybe I'll get my own beret. <sighs> There's so many options then. Remember There's, the hats like that used to just go straight up for a while? Like I need to bring that hats? back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My oh. brother Aristotle has one of those. Uh, he he does a bunch of shows. He has a cooking show. Um, he's based out of uh, Virginia Beach. And wasn't he of, on Guys Grocery Games? Yeah, he was on two different ones. Yeah, um, both of my brothers. So one of them owns Blue Pete's, and one of them owns Redhead Bay. And then he he just Aristotle owns Redhead Bay, uh, and Nick owns Blue Pete's. And Aristotle also just bought the Blackwater Trading Post. But he's got a little YouTube show where he does some cooking. But anyways, they went to an award show, uh, and um, he he bought this ridiculous top hat, like black leather or brown. Leather 
leather with like like feathers in it and stuff, and he just he rocked it like like looks so good. It was awesome. So, well, there. Shout out to the brothers, the Clampy <laughs> brothers, who are not col- as colorful as Carl. Aristotle, give me a run for my money for sure. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, I've never met him. Carl, so I, man, I, 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 yeah. yeah, appreciate your time, man. I know you got a, you're a busy guy. You got to run to your next, your next thing, man. So great Always. catching up. Appreciate yeah, your time. Thank you guys so much. And uh, if I can help out again, anyways, please let me know. And uh, good seeing you, Tim. Good seeing you, Zach. Uh, thanks again, man. You guys are great. Cheers. Thanks, man. Peace.